Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker, Barty Jagdish and Ryan Huang. It is time now for Why It Matters. Now we're going to be talking about how Singapore might be able to reclaim its position as a global capital markets investment hub. We always want to be number one at everything, right? And this is one of those areas as well. But the problem is competition's always tight. There's always pressure to maintain that top position. And in this case, like you mentioned, uh, as the Global Capital Markets Investment Hub. Uh, so how are those people in the financial scene helping with maintaining and possibly reclaiming our position as a global capital markets investment hub? Well, the Singapore exchange-backed private market platform ADX has set its sights mm. on transaction volume of, get this, a billion US dollars by 2023. We're talking here about a figure that is more than six times the volume of 150 million US dollars wow. achieved just last year. And they've got a new CEO as well. So we'll find out how they're going to achieve that target. Oi E Chu, the CEO of AdX, is on the line. Good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. Glad to be with the both of you this morning. Yeah, I believe you guys were previously known as iStocks, right? A lot of us would probably be more familiar with that. Uh, yes, that, that's right. Uh, from ISOX, we rebranded to ADEX, I think now about a year ago. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, ADEX is spelled A-D-D-X, uh, for those of you who um, haven't uh, caught it. But ADEX is our new branding, and it came together with a whole different slew of features, including the app. Mm. Okay, so tell us more about the branding and what underpins this, including the app, of course. Yeah, so um, we are a private markets exchange and we bring investments like uh, funds. Um, so we have a whole range, P- private equity, venture capital, with private real estate, with private credit, hedge funds. Uh, we also do uh, investments like pre-IPO equity and, uh, as well as bonds, uh, short term and long term. And we focused on accredited investors, so individual investors, but above a certain net worth and corporate as well as institutional accredited investors. So sometime uh, last year, we knew that we're very focused on the individual uh, investor. And obviously from the web, uh, the natural transition was the app as well. So when we rebranded, it was all about getting consumers a bit more educated, understanding how they invest in private markets and taking that one step closer to them. All right. You have been announced uh, recently as uh, the new CEO of ADEX. You've got a 20-year career in banking. I mean, and, and I love getting perspective whenever it comes to these questions. A woman in a male-dominated environment. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you've overcome. Yeah, I think investment banking is a very intense career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the earlier years, obviously, it's you sort of have to be up and running. You, you always have to be running at the 15-hour, sort of 18-hour type um, work days. That is, I think, first of all, quite physically punishing mm. for men or women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the second thing is what was great about this was you learned a lot in a very short amount of time because you were forced to do modeling. You had to understand strategies uh, far earlier than a lot of the peers might be in a different career. I think what happens with that is, you know, you burn out potentially quite early on. Mm. You potentially don't find the path that you are happy with. 
for example, what do you do execution or do you do spend time with clients? So I think, you know, that's something that we all have to find a passion with before we, we want to be committed to that career. And, I, you know, I found a certain path that I was very uh, passionate about. And uh, that's why I stayed in the industry for more than 20 years. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned that all of this affects both men and women, right? It's not gender specific, is it? No, it's not gender specific. But but women do sort of at some point, uh, some of them would want to sort of step down and, and have a family. And that usually takes, that's always quite difficult in an industry that's quite intense. Mm. Uh, of of but, course, if uh, yeah. the if the men helped out more at home, it might be easier. <laughs> I always say that. But but I guess there are larger issues to discuss here as well. I mean, you've made it. You want to also change the way investors access opportunities as an individual as well as as a company. So let's talk about the changes that you have observed in the scene recently, especially uh, during the pandemic and thereafter. What are some of the key changes that companies like yours will have to take into account as you try to revolutionize the way investors access opportunities moving forward and as you facilitate that for them? Yeah, this is quite interesting because uh, my experience in investment banking, I mean, I've been in that for more, more than 20 years now, right? And taking some of the key learnings in the structuring, in the investor behavior, you know, in sort of basic market structures and taking that to the private markets is quite novel. And so what we've seen in the last two years, which I think COVID has accelerated, is this whole idea of investors being becoming a lot more self-service, going through platforms, going through apps, and understanding what the investment opportunities are out there. Now, uh, we have really brought that together with private market investing. And private markets has not traditionally been accessible uh, to individuals, partly because they were designed for long-term capital like sovereign wealth funds, right? So the ability to take that down in size, the ability to offer a market for liquidity, the ability to do it on the app, I think what we've done is really put all of that in one space and we've pushed a lot of education out as well. And this is only possible when everyone's a lot more sensitive to using technology to serve their own needs. I like the topic on education. How do you ensure that your education reaches the right audience? Yeah, that's a good question. We spend a lot on the digital space Mm. to understand where our target audience are. We'll obviously look for investors who are already curious about private markets and how they can add to their own investment portfolio. And obviously, part of that is also word of mouth and people who are interested who who come on. Of course, some are savvier than others, right? Uh, How many different types of segments are you targeting? Oh, (laughs) Uh, first of all, we're uh, allowed to target accredited investors. And that generally means one million net financial assets uh, and above. Mm. But even within that space, you think about Singapore is actually quite a, a big market. And I would say some of them are already well covered by private banks. So they have private bankers who are explaining to them products and who are a lot more uh, educated. Um, I would say that a large part are not particularly focused on private markets because it was just not that available to them previously. So our education actually covers a lot of investors who are less familiar 
But for those who are familiar, can definitely immediately get what we're trying to do here and either invest in them or, or speak to our coverage you know, relationship managers with, with more sort of deeper questions. That's great. Time to get into the Singapore competitive style yeah. part of our interview. We want to talk about Singapore reclaiming its position as a global capital markets investment hub. But I suppose if you could help us set some context, where do we rank now and who exactly is our competition? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think that we all are extremely different in terms of the hubs. I mean, we're always being compared to Hong (laughs) Kong and London and New York. But in reality, I think we have our own, everybody has their own niche space, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. But what's happening today is Singapore is definitely in the forefront and ahead in thinking about opening up to fintech companies um, and, and opening up to innovation. And I think that is where we are a little bit ahead of the game um, because there's been a lot of encouragement with fintech festival and, and concepts like that, that that is going to drive our leadership. But everyone is catching up, right? I mean, Hong Kong and London and New York definitely see the the, the space here and, and they're all uh, trying to catch up as well. So what's our value proposition vis-a-vis all of these other places that you mentioned? Yeah, I think what's happening is Singapore is a great place for talent. It's a great place for innovation because the government is it's very supportive. It also, I think Singapore government has been very early in its thinking around aligning innovation with uh, regulation. So, for example, in our space, they were quite clear in aligning what is digital securities and tokenization relative to the security itself. So, I mean, they basically said digital security is the same as the underlying security, right? It's a little bit like stocks. Electronic stocks are basically the the same version as as stocks. And with, with simple realignment of innovation and regulation, I think it cleared the path for startups like ourselves to come up with concepts and say, look, you know, this is where we can take advantage of what is efficiency of the innovation and move into a new space in the investable universe, which is the private markets. This is obviously one of many, many examples. Um, There are many startups here that have grown in size and AUM. uh, And I think that Singapore is now recognized as the place to watch when it comes to fintech, uh, wealthtech, sort of all capital markets as well. Uh, And everyone's looking to see what are some of the new concepts that are coming out in Singapore. Mm. When you talk about fintech and regulation, you can't help but throw blockchain into that whole equation. What are your thoughts on it? So we um, use blockchain as our underlying technology and we see how powerful blockchain is as a concept in building uh, a capital markets platform and differentiation. But in reality, blockchain can be used across many, many use cases in the financial uh, world. So I think the point here is to allow the innovation to come up. And I think the point here is for MAS to uh, encourage different business models that will grow out of these innovations because it's not just about using better technology to serve an existing process. Mm -hmm. I think that is great. It's not enough. I think it is also about how does innovation bring in new business models and potentially disrupt uh, incumbent industries. So um, I think blockchain is just one of the conversation uh, topics here. Clearly, it's more about innovation. Okay, so in that realm of innovation, what else do you see emerging aside from blockchain, of course? Oh, the the many business models. Mm. Uh, Name name one or two key ones. 
that's an interesting one. I mean, for example, blockchain is not just one of the big ledger. A lot of people are thinking around different use cases, right? Uh, Market Note, for example, is looking at uh, improving bond execution. So there, there are many out there. We're on the line this morning with Oi Chu, who is the CEO of AdX, uh, talking about uh, Singapore, perhaps reclaiming its position as a global capital markets investment hub. Okay, let's move on to talk about how you have projected that AdX platform will post $1 billion in transactions by next year. Wow. Uh, how, are you, how are you planning to do so? Yeah, I think what we've seen is uh, many of funds and bonds issuers have been looking at what's happening in the capital market space. Mm. And how do they access a different capital pool or how do they improve their own efficiency? And we've seen a number of them approach us to do uh, more funds issuance or bonds issuance with them. And, and I think what we see is that while we're focusing and we're seeing that rapid growth within the um, individual consumer base, we're also seeing a lot of reverse inquiries from the uh, what I call the B2B2C space. So other external asset managers, family offices, private banks, securities houses, I think they will also find our platform extremely easy to use and they mm-hmm. can use that as a, a call for distribution uh, into that. And um, not only in Singapore, we're also obviously working with our partners in Thailand and Japan uh, and China to meet the needs of them in these individual uh, countries as well. Let's talk about how all of these moves could help investors who are looking to transition from public to private markets in this era where we're seeing an onslaught of changes, innovations, right? Uh, in an era of digital currencies, something that people are also trying to navigate through and figure out at this point. What exactly is the way ahead in terms of the advice that you can give uh, to such indiv- individuals and investors? Yeah, everybody is very fascinated with that. We can see, you know, in the last few weeks, even everyone's keeping an eye on what's happening in the digital asset space. On our platform, we rep- we sort of express that through a fund. We have actually two funds. Uh, one is a digital asset fund and one is an income fund. I would say for the beginner investor to perhaps not dive into it immediately, but maybe watch the space a little bit, understand who are the key players. And if they're still sort of not sure yet, maybe think about investing that through a fund where it's properly regulated by a fund manager. And then when they're more comfortable directly investing into it and understanding what are the exchanges out there, what are the risks, I think that's the most important, uh, both from a volatility risk. And at the moment, it's regulated, the exchanges are regulated in Singapore, but uh, not every jurisdiction has that same level of, of, of regulation. So I would say for the noob digital asset investor, look at funds. And we have a few on our platform. All right. Thanks very much for that. We've been speaking with Oi Chu, who is the CEO of AdX. Uh, Thanks a lot for your time. You take care and stay safe. Thank you. Great to be with you this morning. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.